1: It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Stowe. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Ference is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Ference cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ference Stowe. Welcome
2: to the
3: Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and I have a very special guest this week. We have Sheila Weinberg with Truth in Accounting. And I was introduced to Truth in Accounting because I had actually uh, referenced one of their studies or articles that they had put out. They reached out to me. I really liked what they do as an organization, so I invited them to the show. So first of all, Sheila, welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show.
2: Oh, thank you for having me, and thank you for interest, your interest in this important topic.
3: Uh, you're welcome. Very much so. So, Sheila, first question I guess I should ask is, what is Truth in Accounting?
2: Oh, truth in accounting is a nonpartisan, non-profit organization, and or some people think of us as a fiscal watchdog. Uh, we we differentiate ourselves in that we really do not uh, care about uh, politics, believe it or not. Even though we deal with the government numbers, we just want the numbers done correctly. So we we the, at our core, we really believe that our representative forms are being a, a form of government is being harmed because citizens do not have the financial information they need to make knowledgeable decisions on tax or spending policy or even who to vote for. Um, So what we do is we've found that the governments, believe it or not, might not be truthful um, about their numbers. And so we go ahead and uh, recast those, uh, bringing more transparency and accountability uh, to the governments.
3: Truth in Accounting, I understand, is, is made up of a group of CPAs yeah. and those types of folks. Is that? And what's your role with Truth in Accounting?
2: I'm the founder and CEO. I, I, I am a CPA. Um, and, yeah, we have uh, business people, academic people um, on our board and involved in our organization.
3: If somebody was wanting to get more information on the, what you guys put out, where would they go to find that out?
2: Well, thanks for asking. We uh, have two websites, truthandaccounting.org or data-z.org. Data-z is uh, where we uh, deposit all of the data that we collect. We have, in addition, today I think we'll focus on the federal government, but we do also have even more information on state and local governments, including the federal government, on our data-z.org website. So if
3: somebody wanted to nerd out on the numbers, they should go there.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, we have a great charting feature there. Um, It allows you to compare your state to other states uh, using or cities using like 700 uh, different data points. So, if you want to know how good your city's doing or history of your unfunded pensions or cities' uh, numbers, uh, and then we don't just have financial information, we have like how's, you know, if you're looking for a place to move to, you know, what's the medium household income? We do find a funny data point is that we find that the more attorneys you have in a state, the more uh, worse their financial condition seems to be. (laughs) I hope you're not an attorney or none of your listeners.
3: (laughs) I'm sure some are, but uh, it's interesting that I wonder if that correlates in any way. It's interesting. (laughs) So we were, Sheila, you and I were talking in the break before we started was, so how do your numbers differ for what we typically see with you know like the congressional budget office numbers that type of thing what's the difference
2: Well the the federal government has just reached a 33 trillion dollar uh deficit that's what they report that's what they uh, that's what they claim uh, but to give you some sense of what they're not reporting I would I would ask you uh some questions that will highlight what what they're not recording so uh, friends did would you go ahead and do you believe that our veterans are owed the benefits that they have been promised
3: oh of course, probably more than almost anyone else
2: yeah, and then do you believe that our seniors they have been promised benefits in the form of social security and medicare are those those are they owed those benefits
3: that's what that's the laws on the books right
2: yeah, and those um those numbers those what we as accounts called liabilities, those bills are not included in the 33 trillion dollars. So once you add those bills, you get to an unfortunate number. Not that the 33 billion dollars isn't big enough,
3: or trillion, you mean? You add, yeah,
2: yeah, trillion. Once once you add the, those promises, you get up to almost 160 trillion dollars. Uh, and what, what what we're doing is we're recasting the numbers and we're including not numbers that we make up. Um, these are numbers we get from the Social Security and Medicare uh, and the federal government financial report. Uh, we're adding the Social Security and Medicare and veterans benefit liabilities into to the numbers because we believe that like you and like mm-hmm. most Americans that these people are owed these benefits because they have been promised them. So once you add those to the $33 trillion, you get up to almost $169 trillion.
3: 60 now, she, yeah, Sheila. The problem I think most people have, and I find it, I even deal with this. You know, us non-accountant types, when you throw out numbers like thirty-three trillion or one hundred and sixty trillion or whatever, it's it's just unfathomable. You you just can't relate to it. These are numbers that are beyond. Is there? Do you, do you guys do anything to kind of break it down some way so it be a, a measurable, tangible? Like, how much is that per person or household or? That type of thing.
2: We break, break it down, it down. by um, uh, the number of taxpayers. So if you go okay. to our website, if you go to our website, you'll see our spinning debt clocks, which unfortunately spin faster than uh, than we would like them to do. And then right. next to that is the people who have filed a federal income tax return uh, and and have not don't have like where they're not paying any taxes. You know, so anybody who files a return owes Social Security, Medicare, income tax. We consider them a taxpayer okay. uh, and we divide the we divide the one hundred and sixty trillion dollars by those number of taxpayers and come up with a mere a, a num a, again unfortunately even dividing it by a number of taxpayers you get almost to a million dollars uh, mm. it's nine hundred and fifty two uh trillion dollars i mean oh, nine hundred and fifty two thousand dollars per taxpayer and a, another way to think about it is those that number represents benefits that the government has promised people Mm -hmm. and congress and the president have not figured out where they're going to pay those how much they're going to pay those benefits so a lot of people have been promised benefits but the government does not set aside money to pay for those benefits
3: so the bottom line is like typical politicians promise a whole lot of things and they promise nearly like you said a million dollars in benefits per taxpayer approximately and they have no way at this point of really funding that.
2: And what it does is it makes um, people are sort of like you know the numbers are big; it's all mm-hmm. theoretical. But mm-hmm. uh, we really believe it makes it so you know people feel kind of disconnected from the num- from the government. They feel disillusioned from the government. They're cynical to the government. Mm-hmm. And we all believe that it stems in the lack of accountability. And mm-hmm. the way you hold the elected officials accountable is you make them tax for what they're spending. Uh, there was a great <laughs> quote by a former Treasury official named Frank Kavanaugh, and he said a politician shouldn't have the pleasure of spending, i.e. they're going to get a vote, without the pain of taxing, i.e. they're going to lose a vote. And so if you think about over the years, if the if the elected officials had to tax for all the benefits that they are have given or promised, uh, then we might not have reelected them. Um, or if as politicians are going around and saying, hey, I'm going to give you this goodie. I'm going to give you that goody. Uh, if they also said, well, yeah, I'm going to give you that, but just so you know, I have to tax you to give you that. I have to charge even more taxes. And and I, I think I haven't t- calculated the numbers recently, but you know, I think the tax rate for everybody would have to be over 50% to cover just all of um, the benefits and promises that the government has made.
3: Sheila, you're absolutely right on that. And I do think that a lot of taxpayers, as you put define it, people are actually pay, having to pay into the system, are understanding this, or if they haven't, they're definitely starting to. I think the other bigger problem might be, and I don't know if there's a solution to this, but approximately half of the people don't pay taxes into the system, they receive.
2: Yeah, and and everybody should have some skin in the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And so again, if you think back to the situation where you know, just say even a, you know, even a low-income person, if they you know if they had to pay just you know a small percentage of their income, let's say five percent, two percent. But then again, when the when the government went ahead and politicians went ahead and said, well, we're going to go to Ukraine and we're going to fight this war. Well, okay, we're going to have to raise your 2%, you know, to 2.1%, or now we're going to offer this new benefit. Well, now we have to raise that 2% to 2.5%. If, you know, if there was some correlation, then, then we could hold them accountable for their spending. But the way it is now that they're just free to, to spend and print and borrow as, as much as they want to. And, and, I'm sure in your road trip you have found numerous American, Americans who are very cynical about the government, and and again this is why we're we're feeling that the fabric of our governments are, our, our, you know, our representative form of government is being fractured. Is one of them? You know, being accountants, we think it starts with the numbers.
3: You're probably on target on a lot of that, and actually you're absolutely right. In fact, what I run into when I talk to a lot of people is is they. Don't they, they've got their head in the sand because they're so frustrated. They feel like there's nothing they can do. My response is, and that's what I love what you guys are doing, is Thomas Jefferson said it I think best, is um, the only way to maintain a democracy is through an educated electorate. And so I would say to them, look, putting your head in the sand is actually contributing to the problem. You have to get educated before we can fi- figure out solutions. So that's what I love what you guys do.
2: Yeah, and we're that and I'm so glad you mentioned it. that is just our purpose is to educate the citizens about about what's really going on. And and we again we don't we don't have any tax spending policies. I, I I tell people it's just like, you know, if people knew, you know, how much the government was in debt, how much you know it was gonna cost to do things, if if they were truly edu financially educated about their government and its spending and its taxes, then our mission would be done. We It would be up to others to say, oh, well, we want to spend more, or we want to have tax cuts, or, you know, we don't care about any of that. We just want the numbers done correctly.
3: Well, what you were describing before, probably I was going to ask that, but the solution is probably a balanced budget of constitutional amendment or something like that.
2: That is, uh, again, we wouldn't uh, propose that, but, but that mm-hmm. is a, that is probably the strongest way to It could be the strongest Mm -hmm. way to hold them accountable. Uh, The problem Mm -hmm. you have is 49 of the 50 states have a balanced budget amendment. Uh, We're just about ready to issue our uh, 14th annual financial state of the states. And it has, despite these um, balanced budget requirements, um, the states have accumulated almost a trillion dollars of debt. Um, So the politicians... You have to be very uh, nervous, very careful on how you word um, the balanced budget and a balanced budget amendment and don't, you know, because what they've done, what they've figured out is, you know, well, okay, I have to balance right now, but I can still get votes by promising people in the future benefits.
3: Okay. So Uh, we're going to get, Sheila, we're going to get into that a little bit in the next segment. I want to talk about, because I think that's interesting. Like you said, 29 of the 50 states have a balanced budget amendment, yet, most of them are taking on debt. So we're going to discuss that in the next segment, why that is the case and what needs to be done. So I'm going to encourage folks to stay tuned uh, to the show. I've got, we've got Sheila with us the entire show. I think you're going to find it very educational. And if you want to contact me, you can always reach out to me at yourpersonalbank.com. Stay tuned in the next segment. Don't miss it.
1: Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or YourPersonalBank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toth. Want more information? Contact Ference at 866-268-4422, or YourPersonalBank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now, back to the show with Ference Toast.
3: Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and we have a very special guest today. We have Sheila Weinberg with Truth in Accounting. She is the founder and CEO. And Truth in Accounting, if you missed in the first segment, I'm going to really encourage you to go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows, actually. But Sheila has shared some very interesting information from the like federal debt and what the government is doing that type of thing. But Sheila, welcome. First of all, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you, Sheila, for have, uh, joining us. But you had mentioned at the end of the last segment, you started you're coming out with your, I think you said 14th annual state of the states accounting report or whatever you what, what's going you, and You also, I thought this was very interesting. You mentioned how 49 of the 50 states of the union have balanced budget provisions in their constitutions, yet it sounds like most, if not all, are taking on debt. What's going on with the states?
2: Yeah, the states, again, a lot of people point to when they talk about a constitutional amendment for the federal government to balance its budget, uh, I point out that, well, yeah, uh, 49 of the 50 states have balanced budget amendments, but 29 states, even though they have balanced budget amendments, have acquired debt. Uh, to the tune of almost a trillion dollars. And the way they do it is their balanced budget amendments, uh, in essence, their requirements are not worded well. Uh, So for Illinois being my home state is the worst worded. Um, All it does is say that, you know, their funds available have to equal their expenditures. And this just leaves them just loopholes to uh, more than almost $200 billion through those loopholes. I think the easiest way to explain how they do it is to ask you some personal questions okay. um, and then we'll get we'll transfer that over to the states which is would you consider your budget balanced if you had to borrow money to balance your budget well, of course not and would you consider your budget balanced if you went ahead and have, uh, had people working around your house and it got close to the holidays and you realize well If I pay these people in full, then I'm not going to be able to buy presents for my friends um, and keep my friendships with them. So I just I'll just tell them I'll pay them. My kids will pay you later um, with with some interest. You know, would you consider that budget balance?
3: No, that's an unfunded liability.
2: Just you get a bill, but you just choose not to write a check for it until the (laughs) next pay period. uh, Until the next uh, budget, your next budget year would you consider your budget balanced?
3: Of course not, because you have that bill due still.
2: Right. So then let's flip it to a state. Would you consider a state's budget balance if it borrowed money to balance that budget?
3: If they didn't include the interest owed, no.
2: They go ahead. So for example, the state of Illinois, the governor here is proudly claiming that his whole term, he has balanced the budget. The state was in such poor financial shape when the uh, when the Covid crisis hit. They couldn't go to the bond market like most governments did. Uh, The Federal Reserve of the United States actually had to open up a special borrowing facility to lend Illinois money, and they lent them three point five billion dollars because the balance budget. Remember the requirement. The wording said that their funds available had to equal their expenditures. Mm. Okay. So now, now wouldn't you wouldn't you consider borrowed money funds available. It is I have it. So I, I guess can, it's in your
3: account. Right.
2: Yeah. So you so Illinois can back quote, the governor can come out and say, I balanced the budget, but he borrowed money. If they if they get close to the end of the year um and they the, they realize that the budget, you know, they're gonna they've overspent, then they just push bills off into the future. So so they might get a printing bill. And then it's like, oh, well, we can't pay that and balance our budget. So we'll just pay that in the future. And this is so bad in Illinois that they have a law that they have to pay 1.5% interest per month on all of these unpaid bills to vendors. And this gets up to, I think it's been as high as $12 billion of these bills that they keep on pushing off into the future. But again, going back to that requirement, it just said funds available equal my expenditures so it's only the checks i've written it's not my bills that i have incurred it's the checks that i've written and then all of the states wow. have yeah all of the states have been doing this which is the, i'd say that this is the root of their pension problems because mm-hmm. again they can promise employees benefits now they don't have to write the check for it now and they push that on to future taxpayers
3: Right. Absolutely. They're long gone before that liability is actually do.
2: That's right. And so they get the vote. Um, they get the pleasure of promising without mm-hmm. having to tax. And so, again, this whole accountability is has been, you know, the reason they have balanced budget requirements is for this accountability that the politicians shouldn't be able to spend without taxing. And because they use these budgeting accounting shenanigans, they're able to say, yes, we balance the budget while they're going into debt at the same time
3: is there a state example of a state that's doing it right or maybe has a balanced budget that work operates like it should
2: uh i think utah is the the closest states we do have states that um have not gone into debt uh i think we have we're up to 22 states that haven't gone into it. i can't remember the numbers are honestly. I've been reviewing them for months. <laughs> they're just nice. dancing in my head right now. But uh we do have some states, uh Alaska, Utah, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh South Utah does the best. We actually presented them with a Truth in Accounting Award. They actually do plan for even in the future. They they truly balance their budget now and plan in the future um how they're going to balance. I, I know it's a novel idea for politicians. Wow. Planning. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I I was able to, I was fortunate to present that to their budget director. And I I said, you can answer a question that people give me all the time, which is, how are you guys, why are you guys doing it right? And other states are doing it wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. And she said, well, we have something really weird that we do here. We only promise the service and benefit services and benefits that we can afford. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was... So,
3: yeah, is it more, I think it's more, I don't know if it's more about the law, the way it's written, or it's more about the intention of the people and the voters being educated, meeting their expectations. You think it's more that?
2: I I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's those two Mm -hmm. combined, um, plus just a, philosophy. I was also able to speak to a state rep a state senator in Utah. And he said we just as a state, we just have a philosophy and the people in the state just just are against debt. You know, they, they right. personally try right. to stay away from debt. Um it would be interesting to see what their credit card debt is compared to other states. I, I don't know if I have that data point on our <laughs> data Z website, but that would be an interesting one to have. Um, I think we might have per debt per capita um and uh so it's just a philosophy of not doing that but again um these the wording of these balanced budget requirements um you know to get you know to make it just make it harder for them to you know skirt the the wording um and not not make it easy to have loopholes um Mm -hmm. and get get some better get some better work you know what we propose is full accrual calculations and techniques um fact based budgeting which is you you know you have to include only the revenue that you earn you can't you can't borrow money um you can't the other trick they do is they'll move money from one pocket to another pocket and that mysteriously helps them balance the budget um and you have to include all the bills you paid and you can't push cost in the future um so if you know if people you know we we promote this fact based budgeting to you know, it's closer to what you know corporations do when they when they do their financial reports and their budgeting.
3: Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Sheila. Is I've I've been an entrepreneur for almost thirty years now, and of course I have to file a business return every year. And and of course I was going to ask you what's the difference between how they're accounting and how a typical business has to account. Sounds like night and day difference to me.
2: Yeah, and I find it very interesting that the IRS does not allow. You know, hopefully you're in this in this. Um, range with your business a business that makes more than i think it's up to let's say let's say 30 i think it's 25 26 million dollars per year that if their revenue is that way they mm-hmm. have to do what, what us accountants boringly call accrual accounting you have to include all of your expenses um and uh, but if you if you don't make that then you can do what they call cash basis so it's only mm-hmm. money coming in and money going out well mm-hmm. you know car you know Cities and states make a lot more than twenty five million dollars a year, yet they're still doing this in what some people think is antiquated old accounting um to circumvent their balanced budget requirements.
3: It's probably mostly intentional, obviously, so they can like you said well, yeah, make the promises yeah. without the pain,
2: yeah, and uh you know um but again, if you had requirements and again, if you hadn't educated a electorate um uh, what they do in New Zealand, it, it's very interesting, is they do do their books correctly. Their budgeting um, is closer to uh, to doing it well. Um, but what they do is the accounting, like the CBO or the Office of Management and Budget, every quarter they come out and say, well, you know, over the last three months, the legislature has increased or decreased our what they call fiscal deficit. Um, by X amount of money, and if they're close to an election, um, the people are sort of like, "Well, hold it! They just increased our deficit by so much money. Um, maybe we don't want them back in office, um, or or right. some people we don't care. But at least at least they have that information,
3: right? Because there's just really no accurate, like you said, it, it doesn't seem to me that the federal government or the states, for the most part, there really isn't any accurate accounting information being put out there
2: the state, uh, the federal, the state and federal governments do put out financial statements so obviously mm-hmm. they're after the fact. Um, uh, for example, California has not put out their June 2022 financial statement. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, and, and so, they, the financial statements, um, do have, um, pretty accurate numbers. I could go into the details on why they're not accurate, but, uh, I'm sure my accounting um, talk has already bored people, so I won't. Um, You can go to our website and find out. Um, But So the financial statements are pretty accurate. Um, And what I say is, okay, even if you're not going to fix your process, one, make sure that your financial statement is out before your budget process. You know, you should know the prior year, or at least I think they're looking one year back. So at least... Know what happened two years ago before you start with a future budget. And then two, go ahead and do what us accountants call a pro forma. You know, if this budget passes, what's gonna happen to your balance sheet? You know, do you project that our income statement will show a gain or a loss? Um, and and then that way, even um that way in the future, they could go ahead and compare that budget to what really happened. Um and there you did, go. did it really did it do what we really thought it
3: did. Um, and well, thank so, you, Sheila. That's You're absolutely right. I'm going to, folks, I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment because I'm going to ask Sheila a question about that I learned about an award that government agencies receive if they pay enough money to this to this organization. So stay tuned. I think you're going to find it very enlightening. Don't miss it.
1: Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866 268 4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toad. Want more information? Contact parents at 866 268 4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866 268 4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth.
3: Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. Today we have a very special guest, Sheila Weinberg with Truth in Accounting. Sheila has been sharing with us some very enlightening information in terms of how governments, both federal and state and local, how they really truly do their accounting, how their numbers are actually uh, accounted for or lack thereof, I should say, really. It's very, been very eye-opening and educational. So Sheila, thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
3: That's awesome. So, of course, if you did miss the first part, first segments, go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows. But in the last segment, Sheila was talking a lot about the state of the states in terms of accounting. Uh, I also learned in in getting um, connected with your organization, Sheila, about an award. I understand states and local governments get an accounting award they get if they pay enough money into this system. So tell <laughs> us about that.
2: Um there is an organization called the Government Financial Officers Association so by the name it's a group of government financial officers um and they they offer the um the certificate in excellence um for their financial reports. Uh so they look they do have uh, volunteers look through the financial reports and see if they meet certain requirements. Uh, and then they give an award. Uh, but they have to, they there is a fee for this for this search. Again, volunteers are looking at it, so I don't know why they need to charge a fee. Um, but then they get an award. I, I I can't remember the payment schedule. It's it's between, I would say, like a thousand and fifteen thousand dollars that maybe even twenty-five thousand dollars that a large government has to pay. Um, to get this award. Now, one of the big things, which we also believe is very critical is timeliness. So they have a timeliness criteria, which is um, the governments have to issue their financial report within 60 days, I'm sorry, within six months of their fiscal year end. Keep in mind corporations are issuing their reports about 45 days after their fiscal year end. This is a hundred and giving them a break, give them 180 days um to issue their financial report um and but we we did find one year we did a re a study of like well how many people are getting this award but not meeting that requirement and we did find numerous states that were uh, like my home state of illinois i think they've gotten the award every year and they are usually you know more than 300 days it almost sometimes takes them more than a year statement but then they still get the award even though that's a criteria for the award so we're we're kind of kind of baffled,
3: well, they pay the money in, so <laughs> it, it's like those trophies you get uh, you know those business awards, we all have all seen them, and there's the scams we call them, but you know you're the best of this or that if you pay this organization an outfit, and unfortunately, it's very predominant out there, yeah <laughs> so um all right, Sheila, we've been talking a lot about government debt in particular, accounting standards and all that, but particularly the government debt. I'll play devil's advocate for a minute. Okay, the government has a lot of debt and all that. they they obviously are never going to pay it all back. So, so what? What what do I care as an in, an individual citizen?
2: Well, one as we've been talking about is accountability. Uh, and again, if they can, you know, and I think that more conservatives or people who who don't like taxes, um I think that I think they should be concerned because what happens is the government expands beyond what people are willing to pay for, and they offer services and benefits. And and it's very hard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's very hard to contract government. Uh, when have you seen a program that started? And then just like a few years later, it's like, you know, even the COVID money, which was theoretically for, you know, COVID relief and to help people during COVID, um, people now are like, well, no, 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 no. You, you, you've offered me this benefit, like say medical benefit, or, or now what, what, what? No, no, no. You can't take it away. Um, so what they do is they get just keep on borrowing and borrowing and borrowing, and then they, and then in in the states, for example, Illinois, they, you know, kept on expanding their pension benefits, but the benefits are guaranteed by their constitution, so they, they theoretically can't take those away. Um, so if you can't stop spending and you can't stop including the pensions and, and retiree health care benefits, then what's the third option? Which is you have to raise taxes um, after you can't borrow anymore. You have to you you borrow and then when you can't, and then eventually you're gonna have to pay that money back. Another way to look at debt is at deferred taxes. At the state level, we do a per taxpayer um taxpayer burden, and this is the amount that future taxpayers are going to be burdened with. Um, so in, in Illinois a couple of years ago, that number was over fifty. I think they're down to forty-three. Let's say it's forty thousand dollars. So this is taxpayers are gonna have to pay forty thousand dollars in taxes in the future, and they're not gonna receive any government services or benefits for those. Those those have already been that money's was spent years ago. Um, so one, it's a deferred uh a for deferred tax, two. It makes you can't hold them accountable because they're they're spending more than they're taxing, and and would you would people have voted for these these uh, uh, people incumbents if they would have had to tax them to to balance their budget or to fund um, the the programs that they they have promised or I have spent for.
3: I run into a lot of people, and you're absolutely right, Sheila, but I, I do run into a lot of people that are like, well, whatever, and especially – I find this with a lot of older Americans, to be fair. Well, I don't care. It's not going to affect me, and what I, I share with a lot of them is, one, one, this could end up happening a lot quicker than you think. Uh, I talk about potential, like like you said. If they can't borrow, then they're going to have to tax more austerity measures. We saw that in Greece, for example. It's going to be forced upon them at some point, and this could happen a lot sooner than – you want and you know do you care about your kids and grandkids that's the other thing i bring up
2: right and i i'm pulling up from our data hyphen c website our financial state of the union at how much was borrowed in the last the last which was a financial state of the union of 2021
3: well actually while you're looking at that i two things that came came up is the heritage foundation last week or so uh came out with a big study saying that the Federal government added 7.5 trillion in debt over the two COVID years. Also, I've seen very recently our deficit uh, is projected to be two trillion dollars for this year, 2023.
2: One of the reasons I started Truth and Accounting was because it was during the years that the budget was theoretically balanced and there were, they had surpluses as far as the eye could see. And I always thought, well, back then, which was you know more was tw- more than 20 years ago, was like. Well, if people understood that the deficit was more than a trillion dollars, which back then, if you calculated the money, the numbers right, they were doing a deficit of a trillion dollars. If people understood that, then they would be concerned. But I'm sort of like, well, uh, they they don't seem to be concerned. It's uh, the well,
3: trillion. Sheila, I don't think it's it's so much they're not concerned. I think it's it's a combination of probably, number one, lack of education or understanding because they're not listening to the right. Sources, media sources, they're not telling them that the truth. CBOE and all the Congressional Budget Office, all these things are not, not really telling the truth. Or they're putting their head in the sand. They're just overwhelmed. In
2: 2021, looking at the numbers, the, the true deficit that was reported on their audited financial statements was $3 trillion. Okay. okay. Um, if If you include the expansion or the increases in Social Security and Medicare, you're at ten trillion dollars, but again, it, it's high numbers. So yeah, so let's take a few zeros off. Um, the mm-hmm. expenses were seven trillion dollars. They they um, they had to borrow three trillion dollars.
3: Well, well uh, to me, a good if, analogy would be in that case, you uh, let's see, you made seventy. So you made seventy thousand a year, but you had to borrow thirty thousand because your expenses were a hundred. Am I am I am I uh, yeah, right? Basically, I look
2: at, we're looking at a little wrong, but I will add. Yeah, let's say you're yeah. making forty thousand dollars a year. All right. Your expenses are are seventy thousand dollars a year. Okay. You're thirty thousand dollars a year short every year. Right. You okay? could give. And, you
3: might give away with that for a year, two maybe, but then your debt ability well, is going to run out.
2: Yeah. And then when your borrowing ability runs out, right. Um. Then you're you're spending seventy. You right. would have to cut by thirty thousand dollars as soon as the borrowing facility ran out. Um, right. So. You know, the federal government would cut almost have to. Okay, what are we going to cut? You know, of the federal government, we'd have to cut. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not good at math. I'm just an accountant. No, just. <laughs> at, um, I'm not good at math in my head. I'm really good at spreadsheets. Um, you know, they would have to cut. Let's say it's a third. Uh, I think yeah. it's more than a third. Almost half of their budget. Right. If they couldn't borrow, and, and so what of that third? Or they would have to raise taxes by. More, you know, they're only bringing in four trillion. They'd have to bring in seven trillion. They'd right. have to massively increase their taxes. Right. Um,
3: right. And, so and they, then we
2: do do. Go ahead.
3: Well, I was going to say, Sheila, the analogy I give, I like that one. It's like you said, you make forty thousand a year. That's a number of people can relate to, and you you're spending seventy thousand a year, and that's what our government did in twenty twenty one. Like you said. And a lot I say, a lot of people say, "Well what do I care?" says the older Americans?" I point out, well, so security trustees report and Medicare trustees are telling us in a few years they're going to run out of their surplus, and your, your benefits are going to get cut by approximately I've, I've heard the number they say, about 25 percent. So whatever your social security check is, if nothing changes, you're going to get about 75 percent of what you were getting, and that's not that far down the road. I think that's only what we're looking at six or seven years down the road, I believe, at this point. And if they keep spending like they're spending, that's probably going to be fat. It's probably going to be faster. Right.
2: Right. There is something um, I posted in 2015. Mm-hmm. I would run across these two debt doomsday scenarios. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them is hyperinflation. Part of hyper and this hyperinflation is death by hyperinflation is that. Um, The federal government, um, they can't sell bonds fast enough. They can't find buyers um, because they're spending so much money. Uh, So then the Federal Reserve buys the money and buys the bonds. Well, when they buy the bonds, they have to produce dollars. They have to turn the printing press on. And inflation happens. How many people are experiencing inflation right now? Right, Uh, that is already happening.
3: Actually, Sheila, I'm going to cut you off right here because I want to come back in the last segment and give you a little bit of time. You've brought this up. You've actually come up with, like you said, two different potential doomsday scenarios if things don't change. So, folks, I'm going to really encourage you to stay tuned in the last segment because I think Sheila's on to something here. She certainly has the background and experience and knowledge, no question, with Truth in Accounting. Stay tuned in the next segment because Sheila's going to share with us what she believes could potentially be one of the two doomsday scenarios in this debt cycle that's going to happen to us if if things don't change and get better. Again, if you want to contact me, yourpersonalbank.com, definitely stay tuned in the next segment. Do not miss it.
1: Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toth. Want more information? Contact parents at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ference Toast.
3: Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank show. This has uh, been an outstanding show. Excellent guest with Sheila Weinberg of Truth and Encounting. Sheila, thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, thanks for having it. It has been a delightful conversation. Uh, sorry if it, some of it is doomsday. Uh, just <laughs> well, I, you I, people know, have to know, the facts.
3: <laughs> I tell people this all the time, and, and we're going to have she- uh, Sheila share two of her uh, doomsday projections, what she anticipates going to happen if this debt spending all this kind of government stuff doesn't change but before we get into that and oh and i don't know about you but i think i find a lot of people that we're just sick and tired of the government treating us like little kids we're adults you know give us the facts good news bad news whatever at least if we're dealing with the facts then we can make intelligent decisions if you're just playing you know treating us like little kids it's just it's it's obnoxious and annoying in my opinion but you have uh you have you mentioned the state of the states and we forgot to bring this up. You have an event you have a an event coming up. Uh, please tell us about it if somebody wants to get involved.
2: Yeah, so as I mentioned before, we're going to issue our 14th annual financial state of the states, uh, which we we had to start produce realized that the state and local governments were not putting their pension and retiree debt on their on their books. So we started doing this financial state of the states. I was able to go to our truthinaccounting.org website and go to our events page and go to upcoming events. And it, it's going to be on October 11th when in, uh, when we issue the Financial State of the States. It's going to be in uh, Denver uh, at uh, the in- Independence Institute. And we are going to have John Caldera, the president of the Independence Institute, John Duggall, um from he is the Utah State Auditor. We talked about how Utah is doing things right, so he will he will enlighten us on on ways, hopefully, that other states can can uh, do their books uh, correctly. Uh, so it is a lunchtime event, so people can go on there and just sign up. Uh, the doors open at eleven and sign up for the event, and I will be.
3: So again, that's October eleventh, you said in Denver.
2: Yes, in Denver,
3: and so go to Denver- truthandaccounting.org. To the event page for more information.
1: If you yep, want to get involved,
3: great. one of my last questions, uh, Sheila, is you've been re- mentioning these two doomsday projections. If spending and debt and all that continue at, like we've been seeing, what do you anticipate happening going forward?
2: Well, this came from some authors. Spell the name. um It's F I G G I E, and he he pro- has these two doomsday scenarios that he's projecting. Uh, the first one is death by hyperinflation, and the plot here of this first nightmare is currently going on, um, and unfortunately, it's speeding up. Uh, it's taking shape quickly, which is our rising deficits um, and trade deficits keep on ballooning. Uh, we run a foreign debt. We rely heavily on you know China and Japan. They own you know foreign governments own a large part of our debt uh, to fund these deficits, and, and One thing that is it's impacting is if you're if you owe somebody money, you know, you're indebted to them and you have to keep them happy. So if we're indebted to, say, China, okay, and and I mention this because some Defense Department officials have mentioned this, if we're indebted to China and let's go, let's say, God forbid, they go they do invade Taiwan, then we have to call China to borrow money to to invade them. Or at least they would go, well, hold it. We're going to stop borrowing your treasury bonds. And keep in mind, again, we pointed out that, you know, a large percent, of more than a third, almost a half of our budget is borrowed. Well, China stops borrowing our money. That might make other people, uh, for other governments, afraid to borrow their money. And then, you know, we, would, we wouldn't have money to pay
1: if china
3: stopped benefits. buying the buying the us bonds i would predict economic chaos unlike we've seen since the great depression
2: yeah um because we we couldn't and and another thing is we we find that we have to use our military might instead of our you know our financial might to to encourage people you know to to not do you know invade other countries um and and in right. this case we might have to use military that's a scary scenario, and it's it's already happening. And if you know, if the people you know just stop, unfortunately, the bonds are short term, so we do keep on having to roll them over. And you know, some some great smart person decided to <laughs> to make them short term instead of long term, so we have to keep on rolling them over. If they don't, you know, then we might have to cause you know high pay higher interest. Um, another another thing um, is that, you know, mo- uh, the credit rating agencies have finally, you know, downgraded us, which causes us to pay more interest.
3: The statement you made earlier was very profound when you said the debtor, if you owe somebody, you've got to keep the debtor happy. You're the borrower. And a lot of people, you know, the current administration, of course, obviously very friendly towards China. I mean, think of the Chinese spy balloon, letting it fly over. You don't want to upset China. And a lot of people have under struggle to understand why we're so soft on China or the current administration is, that probably speaks to a lot of it. Like you said, don't want to upset them too much, want them to keep buying our bonds, because if they don't, we have economic devastation.
2: Yes. Um, and Yeah, yeah. That, that could be a reason that, you know, and I found it interesting. Just makes logical that
3: sense. That's all I'm saying.
2: I found it interesting when Obama ran, he spoke during his uh, campaign of like, you know, the human rights violations in China. Okay, mm-hmm. and that that was horrible. Right. Once he was elected, who was the first cabinet member he sent to China, the Secretary of Treasury, and 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 I never heard anything after he was elected about Chinese human rights violations.
3: Right. Well, even the Bible says that was that the debtor is the slave to the the lender, right? Yeah. I I call it basic financial literacy that lacks sorely, sadly. Yeah. Badly.
2: Um, yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. We're not. And as i and the other thing is. You know, OK, you can say, you know, truth in accounting and their alarm is, mm. but generals in the Defense Department have brought this up. Um, yeah, a, they think that our national debt is the number one security risk that we
1: have. Um, yeah,
3: it, it's a national security issue. I've heard that from the Pentagon and other generals. No question.
1: Yeah. So yeah. that so
3: hyperinflation is one doomsday scenario. And we're. You're Certainly, seeing the beginnings of that at least with higher inflation, and, and I've heard also there's been some balking in the bond markets. Of uh, you know, the, the, like you said, the, the credit rating went down, means we pay, they pay more interest, but there's been some balking and some di- having more and more difficulty selling the bonds in the bond market. So I think we're in the beginnings of that.
2: This this really scares me is that people are talking about the U.S. dollar not being the the world currency. That would be a disaster. So the two doomsday scenarios are, you know, hyperinflation that we talked about it late local on um, the previous section, and then this session, you know, where we're talking about this, this where they're not going to be able to borrow is death by panic, um, which again they have, they're having to sell these bonds. They ha- people aren't buying them, so they have to increase the interest rates. Again, I think we're spending trillions of dollars, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars a year on interest every year. I mentioned the charting feature on our website. I think mm-hmm. that is a data point um, on our federal um, website is how much interest we're paying every year. I um, saw
3: recently it's gone up 30%. We're paying 30% more in interest than we were a year ago because just the higher interest rates.
2: And the interest rate, the, the last time, I've been focused honestly within the last six months. Let's see, interest paid generally. I'm, I'm just gonna pull up the chart right now. You can pull up the chart and you can select the number of years and um, in 2022, we spent 980 billion dollars. Just shy of a billion.
3: trillion dollars, then.
2: Right, and and think. Remember, we said our expenses were seven, so one seventh of our budget was spent just on interest, and that was in 2022 before so, we started getting these higher interest rates.
3: So, correct me if I'm wrong, Sheila, so that I can understand this and others. We're making 40,000 a year in income. We're spending seventy thousand a year in expenses, and ten grand of that is interest on our debt that, yes. am i right
2: yes and Roughly. and and keep in keep in mind that you know people's credit card, just like people's credit card interest rate has gone up, so you're not going to spend ten, you're going to spend even more right the federal government's interest um charges um went in the near, are went up also, and they're going to spend. Well, so last, we,
3: if we use the analogy, last year they spent roughly seven thousand in, in a year in interest, and now they're spending ten because their costs went up thirty percent, roughly. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So if your interest expenses go up thirty percent a year, you you've got a financial mess on your hands.
2: Yeah.
3: To summarize everything we've talked about, Sheila, and again, I really appreciate you joining us today. It's been very enlightening. A balanced budget for the federal government amendment, something like that, a constitutional amendment, would be helpful, but it's not the panacea. Of everything, like you've shared earlier, really the the ultimate solution is changing hearts and minds, educating the people, having the right expectation, having educated voters, like Jefferson stated, like you said, the you what you how Utah is operating, having that expectation of both the people in charge and the people voting for them. Is that am I right?
2: Yeah, and you know, and our mission just you know you hit our mission exactly. Our whole mission statement is to educate and empower citizens with Understandable, reliable, transparent government financial information—that's our whole mission.
3: So, a so, uh, person—we got an election coming up next year, and if you're looking at candidates, you should be looking at people who are who are expressing financial uh, responsibility issues.
2: Yeah, and if they're if they're saying like, oh, well, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this program. Pull up—you can go to our data website, see website. You can pull up the financial state of the union. And just mm-hmm. bring that to the event and say, hey, well, you know, we're we're more than a hundred trillion dollars in debt. What are you gonna do about that? Or you can go to our data z um data hyphen Z website and pull up your, your state or city's financial state of the or state or and, and right. take that to the event and say, What are you doing about this? I, I would like really it. encourage them to do that.
3: Yeah, so we if we we ask the ask the tough questions that the media refuses to do the citizenry does, and we get educated and we vote accordingly, we can start to make a difference. Yeah. So thank you, Sheila, for joining us. If you want more information with Truth in Accounting, it's truthinaccounting.org. Go to their website. Thank you for joining us, Sheila. It was very enlightening, very educational.
2: Well, thanks for having me. But yeah, if anybody has any questions that I can... They can email uh, info at truthandaccounting.org.
3: And if you want to contact me to how to manage this economic chaos that we may be dealing with soon, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. Stay tuned to next week's show. We're going to have one of our favorite guests, John Burley, real estate expert. If you know the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, he was he's in that book. You're not going to want to miss that. And again, as long as it's still on our money, I like to always share this, in God we trust.
1: Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact parents at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com